You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and welcome to the Save the Marriage Podcast. This is the podcast I designed to help you move through your marriage crisis or prevent a marriage crisis. Some people listen to this to make sure they avoid the traps. Not only that, but to learn how you can move through a crisis or a marriage. I'll give you a little secret. Years ago, I was writing what became the Save the Marriage system, but at that point, I was writing about how to have a great marriage. And what I realized is, unfortunately, most of us don't think about prevention. (laughs) We don't start looking for help until we are hurting, and the hurt causes us to go find help, which is too bad because the exact same things that would create a great relationship are the techniques and the methods and the approaches you use to save your marriage. And today I want to talk about four little segments of this process that I think happens in everyday life but gets ramped up um, almost to a painful degree when there's a marriage crisis. You know, I've had a lot of people come to my office, and as we work through it, one of the things they realize is they have to take some responsibility for where things are, for their place in the whole relationship. The fact is that when people talk about it takes two to tango, what they're talking about is it takes two people to get a relationship to a place where it's at risk. It takes one person to begin to change the dance, but there are two people in the process of a relationship getting deeper and deeper into trouble. And there's an interplay between those people. So many people will come and realize that they have a place to be accountable, to take accountability, to take responsibility. And that begins a process that many times people link And that is the process from apology to reconciliation. Many people think that those are kind of four stops on the process to reconciliation. We start an apology. We move from apology to forgiveness. From forgiveness, we get to rebuilding trust, so to trust. And then from trust, we get to reconciliation. So it's kind of four stops on the path from one end to the other. And it starts with the crisis, begins first stop. I'll take responsibility. I'll I'll make an apology. The second stop after that is then my spouse will forgive me. And the next stop after that is then we can rebuild trust. And after that, we can reconcile. Now, maybe you see it from another perspective. Maybe you go, wait, I'm not the one who did whatever. I mean, you can name many things to put in there. I'm not the one who did that. So I deserve an apology because if my spouse apologizes, then I'll forgive And then maybe we can rebuild trust and then work towards reconciliation. So that's the process that many people imagine happening. And what they don't realize is that those are four stops that are completely separate from each other. They aren't a linear conversation. They are not a linear path. It's not like you're on the subway stopping at one, two, three, four. This is where, you know, maybe you look at a subway a little bit differently as this network. Maybe you pass by the apology station and you land at the forgiveness station. Or maybe you skip the forgiveness station and you end up at reconciliation. Or maybe you pass through trust, but you never make it to reconciliation. So let me just 
say right now that those four stops are separate, distinct stops that may or may not have anything to do with each other. They may not be a process that goes linearly. So let's just go through these pieces one at a time. First is the apology. An apology is simply a taking of accountability, of recognizing the hurt you've caused, stepping up and claiming the actions that you did do, not all the actions, but the actions you did do or actions you didn't do that led to the hurt, the pain, and your remorse for that. An apology also, in my estimation, needs to include a request or an offer of uh, the forgiveness. You may say, I hope you can forgive me or please forgive me. You know, those are kind of the, the pieces in that process. So it's not enough to say, okay, yeah, I did that. Now, I've talked about apologies in the past. And one of the things I've noticed is that many times people don't really apologize for what they did, but they apologize for their spouse's reaction. You know, I'm sorry if that hurt you. I'm sorry if that bothered you, which is different than saying, I'm sorry I did that. I know it hurt you. It's a distinct difference that you need to make sure that when you're apologizing, you're really apologizing. The second thing I've often noticed about people when they make apologies is many times they they will say things like, I want to apologize for my actions, which is not the same as saying, I apologize for my actions. Again, not a big difference in words, but a huge difference in how it feels. It's kind of like when somebody says to you, I was going to tell you, and then they tell you what they were going to tell you. It just kind of is an odd place for that to be. And so the reality is that we need to step in and truly claim it. When we are apologizing to say, I apologize for what I did, not I would like to apologize. The second thing we want to make sure we offer is a, I hope you can forgive me. Because there is that place where we would like to have the person forgive. Now, here's the tough part. When you apologize, it's the other person's choice and prerogative on whether they forgive. And the fact is, in our culture, forgiveness is mired down in so many different odd messages that we've received throughout our life. So much so that I felt it necessary to create a method for moving through the forgive process. In fact, I wrote the book, The Forgive Process, to lay out a six-step process for somebody to follow because basically people don't know how to get to an apology and they aren't even sure, I'm sorry, to get to forgiveness and they're not even sure what that forgiveness would look like. So here is the big linchpin for many people. Many people are stuck believing that if they forgive, they somehow let the other person off the hook. They somehow excuse the behavior. And in reality, they're letting themselves off the hook of the pain. You know, it's kind of like a, a fish refusing to allow a lure to be removed from its lip, you know, because they want to hold on to it, rather than recognizing that that pain in their side, in their mouth, from their angle, is what they get to release when, when the hook comes out. So forgiveness is a process that we can take up any time. And by the way, the person who hurt you, the event that hurt you, doesn't even have to be in the present. The person doesn't even have to be alive anymore for you to get to the place of forgiving. And and here is the place where we begin to, to show these distinctions. They don't even have to apologize 
you could actually choose to forgive without there having been the first step of an apology on the other side. They are completely separate pieces. So let me just kind of show how this works. I could apologize to you for something and you choose not to forgive me. They're separate. I apologize. You did nothing. Conversely, you could forgive me and me never apologize. I may not even know that I hurt you because you have chosen to forgive so that you're not held by that. So notice how distinctly separate they are. So an apology is our stepping in and taking responsibility to say I was responsible for what happened there and I want to step up and claim that. So, and here is the important part, there can be change both in the person who is apologizing and potentially in the relationship, but not necessarily. Now, let me just kind of recircle that, that piece that I just put in there. If you apologize for something and you do it again, you negated the apology you made. An apology is not an excuse to repeat what you did. It's a decision to change the pattern. It's one of the mistakes I see very frequently, people, that they are constantly making the same action, making the same hurt, making the same pain, and they keep apologizing, but they do nothing to change their behavior. And in my mind, there is no apology after you keep making the same mistake, because at some point, as has been said, the first time's a mistake, the second time it's a choice. Now, sometimes we have to learn our lesson a few times before we get it down, but an apology really is you saying what I did was wrong, and I'm going to work to not do that again. What I did was wrong, and you made me do it, is not an apology. That's a blame game. So an apology is stepping in and saying, I take responsibility. Forgiveness is acceptance of what happened, first of all. Notice, acceptance of what happened. One of the things that is often true is that not forgiving is an attempt to undo what happened, to find some way to erase what happened, to find some way you know, to, to get beyond that. The second piece of not forgiving is believing that it somehow holds the other person accountable rather than understanding where they're coming from. So forgiveness is a process of acceptance and understanding. Not understanding that the behavior was okay, but understanding that we all react in pain. Most of the time when somebody hurts somebody else, it comes from a place of their own hurt and their own pain. And if we look at our culture right now, I think it's pretty clear that many of us are in various levels of pain. It's a difficult time. So when that's the case, we're usually not operating at our best. And many times we make mistakes. And to forgive somebody is to see them with empathy. As I've talked about in my system, I believe that people really do the best they can given where they are. That doesn't mean they're at their optimal. That doesn't mean they're operating at their best. But given where they are in life, given what they understand, given all of the is surrounding them, they do the best they can. Could they do better tomorrow? Sure. Might they have done better yesterday? Yes. Could it be different in an hour? Absolutely. But right there in that moment, people do the best they can given where they are and how they understand what's around them. 
And so when we step into forgiveness, part of the process is stepping back into that place of empathy, of understanding, of trying to figure out what the pain is for that other person that may have led to that. Once we understand that, we can begin to release and let go of our own pain from that and also release and let go of trying to blame the other person. So apology and forgiveness, two pieces. The second or the third piece of that pie, those four pieces of the pie, that, that third stop is trust. When somebody does something that hurts us, it tends to reduce our trust in them. Now, trust is this weird thing. I have many people come in and say, how can I earn my spouse's trust back? Or they say, how can I trust my spouse again? I want to notice something about that. In actuality, trust is a gift that we all choose to give in our life. It's often in the beginning unearned. I will trust somebody for a number of reasons. You know, if somebody's a friend of a friend, I'm going to have some trust in them automatically. I'm just going to grant them trust. Now, am I going to give them full trust? No. Relationships are built by testing and trying out and giving a little more trust. So trust is a gift I give to you. The thing is, that gift of trust, sometimes we make way too cheap and sometimes way too expensive. I know people who will trust repeatedly even after they're hurt. They just choose to trust all over again. Many times, part of the reason they do that is because of their need to be in connection with somebody. There's a kind of a desperation to stay attached. And so they just choose to trust. This is especially true if somebody grows up in a background where they uh, always were kind of on the defensive. A, a tough childhood either leads people to mistrust everyone or overly trust people they shouldn't. And so in those cases, we make it too cheap, too expensive. But we all do that to some degree. I'm going to choose what it's going to take to trust you, and you're going to choose what it's going to take to trust me. When we give that gift, there's a price attached to it. There's a cost. And when that trust is violated, the cost goes up to some degree. I know people who have had fairly minor issues in their relationship who choose never to ever trust their spouse again or their significant other again or that important person in their life again. They choose never to trust again. That's a very expensive gift. At the other end are those who immediately decide to jump in and trust again, even if the evidence is there not to trust. There's a reason that we trust when we shouldn't. There's something that we're trying to get out of that. There's some attachment or connection that we need out of that. So here's the interesting thing. Maybe you did something to me, and I choose to trust you, even though you haven't apologized and I haven't really forgiven you. I still choose to trust you. Conversely, it's possible that you apologize to me. It's also possible that I forgive you, and I choose never to trust you again. I can trust, I can forgive you and then keep you at a distance and trust can never be a part of it again. So now let's add in the fourth piece, the fourth stop, reconciliation. Reconciliation is when we decide to be back in relationship with someone again. 
Many times we would think that there has to be trust for there to be reconciliation. That's not necessarily the case. I know people who spend the rest of their relationship reconciled but not trusting each other. It's a fairly hollow existence because they're not going to put much into it, but it's possible to reconcile without trust. It's also possible to trust somebody but decide to keep them at a distance to reconcile with them. I know many people who have divorced who trust their spouse to take care of their child, trust their spouse or ex-spouse to take care of the child and do many things in life, but they choose not to be in a relationship with them. So what does all that mean? They are all independent stops. You don't have to go from one to the other. Some people skip one, go right to the other. Some people go through three, miss one. They are independent. And our problem is that we believe that they are linked. Most people want to have a process where, in their mind, they make an apology, they are forgiven, they decide to build trust again, and they reconcile the relationship. Real life doesn't work that way. You can end up at any of those stops having not visited any of the others. It's possible to apologize. There be no forgiveness. There be no trust. There be no reconciliation. It's possible to forgive without an apology and without rebuilding trust and without reconciliation. It's possible to trust without an apology, without even forgiving and not reconciling. It's also possible to reconcile with never having had an apology, never forgiving, never trusting. It's also possible to mix and match any of those. So perhaps you choose to trust and reconcile even though there hasn't been an apology and you really haven't gotten to a place of forgiveness. Or maybe you decide to forgive even without an apology and you're going to rebuild trust anyway. Many people I work with want to have an apology before they step into forgiveness. And I suggest they step into forgiveness before they worry about the apology from the other person, but that they make sure they lead with the apology. So I'm always looking for what is in your control. Where are the big start points for you? And to me, to build a strong relationship, you do need trust. And obviously, to be in a relationship, you have to reconcile. So if the starting point is before that, if you're trying to get to that place, where do you start? Well, you start with the apology. If it's something that you recognize is your responsibility, you start with an apology. My belief is that we all have places where we've fallen short in the relationship. We all have places where we need to show up differently. We all have places where we need to look at our own personal responsibility and make a shift to be more than where we've been before, to step into a better place than we've been before, that this is an opportunity for growth. And so one of my exercises is to have people write an apology letter. I call it the apology letter formula. I've used the same formula now for well over a decade. I think we're headed into probably 15 or 17 years of using this apology letter formula. And it's designed not to trick the other person, but to take responsibility, to have a transformational potential in the relationship by creating that place. Over time, I've used that with so many of my coaching clients that I actually turned it into a training for my VIP members because the VIP program allows us to have some continued dialogue and conversation about that apology letter formula. It's not a template. 
It's an understanding of how you really do apologize, along with a lot of the mistakes you make along the way. I've created that because I've seen so many of the mistakes and so many of the times when it could have been a powerful apology and falls apart at the end because it wasn't quite applied right. So there is a formula for that, the apology letter formula. But if you decide that you're ready to you know, take accountability and to apologize, be sure that you're detaching that from trying to convince the other person to stay in a relationship, to reconcile with you. That's not what this is about. It's not making an apology to your spouse to trick them into staying. It's making an apology because you recognize you need to make a change and to move differently into that. That's part of what we provide as a full training for the VIP members. Uh, the Save the Marriage system talks a little bit about that in my Down and Dirty Guide, which is designed to help you when you've got a resistant spouse. That's actually included with the system. Oh, and by the way, if you grab the system, there's one time. This is the one-time offer when you're buying the system. I offer you a free week of VIP. You just jump in and grab it, and you could go straight to the Apology Letter training if you wanted to. Uh, to master that in the first week. So something to think about if you're interested in the Save the Marriage system. Now, the other thing is maybe the, the starting point for you is forgiving, that you've been hurt by your spouse and you can name what it is that hurt you and you recognize the pain of that. And because of that, you know that you've got to release that in order to move forward and find trust and find forgiveness. I'm sorry, to find trust and find reconciliation in the forgive process. If that's you, you might want to check out my book, The Forgive Process. You can find it at theforgiveprocess.com, theforgiveprocess.com, or just order it at your favorite bookstore. But that's a great place to start because either of those places are the real starting points to actually make it from stop to stop to stop to reconciliation. So if you're struggling, grab the Save the Marriage system enroll in the VIP program, do the apology letter training, write your apology letter following the apology letter formula, move forward with that. Recognizing that there are probably uh, some places that are pain points for you with a spouse and you don't have control over your spouse's apologizing, only you forgiving. You can work through the forgive process by going to theforgiveprocess.com and grabbing the book. And by the way, you can also recognize that even if your spouse isn't ready to forgive you right now, you've still changed in the apology process. So remember, apology, forgiveness, trust, reconciliation, they are four distinct stops on the process, but you can make it much more of a possible journey if you know the starting point for you. This is Lee Balkan wishing you the best as you work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com.